Check. One, two, three. Testing. Say something. Testing. One, two, three. Testing. One, two, three. White Chicks in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 34. Hi. It's a special episode. Every episode is special. You're right, Holly. <laughs> Why is this episode so special? It's special because my mom and dad are here in China, and we're having them on the show. Thank you for coming. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> pleasure. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to hear what you've got to say about your visit to China. <laughs> really. <laughs> But before we get into that, do we have any news or comments from this week? We've got lots of comments. Um, so we've got some comments on our last um, episode, which was episode thirty-three, which uh, was all about movies. So we've got a comment from Lawrence uh, Dawson, and he says, "Thanks for the great podcasts." As an American man recently married to a Chinese woman and diving headfirst into Chinese <laughs> culture, I still shake my head every time I watch a romantic Chinese movie with my <laughs> wife. An American romantic movie usually ends happily ever after, while a Chinese romantic movie almost never ends with the man and woman together. My wife calls it a love story, and I call it a sad movie. <laughs> But I love learning about the differences in our cultures. I, I, that's a really great comment, to be honest, because I think it's really true. Most movies and TV shows, I, from my experience, do tend to add,、uh, end quite sadly. And I never thought of that before. Actually,、mm. I didn't、yeah. realize the correlation. I haven't watched that many romance movies, though.、Mm. No, it's not really. Um, and on the same page,、um, we've got a comment from Alexander, and he says, "I don't know if any anyone here has seen it, but City of Life and Death is on American Netflix, and it's fantastic.、Oh. Incredibly dark, but I thought it was really good.、Uh, actually, I have never seen it.、Um, no, I haven't seen it either. Okay, well, I guess it's something that we should check out. Yeah, maybe <laughs> we can put the trailer on the、oh, show. Oh yeah,、notes. yeah, that's up. We'll have a so you guys can see what it's all about."、Um, We've had plenty of comments on Facebook as well, so let me start with Kathy. So last week she was one of our questions,、oh, yeah, and her、Kathy. and her husband are wanting to come back to China. They've already been to China to work, and I think they've been in the U.S. for for a number of years now, but they want to come back. So after she sent the question, she also sent another comment, and she says she she was so excited to hear from us.、Um, she said, "I don't need an entire podcast." <laughs> But、uh, I just want to know、uh, what our options are.、Uh, we know for sure we want to go to Shenzhen. Yeah, that great news.、Um, <laughs> We're Shenzhen ambassadors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she says、um, I have an international school wanting me to teach there, but I also want my husband to have options. Thanks again. I love your podcasts, and I can't wait for the next one. Come back, Nora. <laughs> so this was just before we released the last episode. So she says I listened to episode thirty-three this morning. I'm so excited. Uh, I made everyone I know listen to the podcast. <laughs> you two are so awesome. Oh, that's nice. Thank you, Kathy. Feeding our egos know, for the know, week. <laughs> And then she's posted again. She's everywhere. She's posted actually on our Facebook page. Super fan. Yeah, love it. 
She says, I'm a new listener and I love this podcast. It makes me want to go back to China so bad. Well, I hope you're going to be with us soon. Uh, awesome work, ladies, and funny Australian Lao Wai, which was Chris. Uh, he joined us last week, who sometimes makes an appearance. Yeah. Nice. He's, he's, he's a good addition to our podcast. If any of you out there have any similar feelings, it would be awesome if you can drop us a review. Yeah, I know most sure. podcasts hound on you drop a review, but that's because it's really hard to actually get people to... I know you guys are probably like out and about listening to the podcast on the go, mm-hmm. so you don't think about when you're back online to, to find the review section, but it helps us so much. It actually helps people find us and um, helps the show continue so if you have been enjoying the show and getting some useful information it would be awesome if you could drop us a review yeah actually we if you go to episode uh, so writtenchinese.com slash episode 34 there'll be a link to give us a review yeah thanks (laughs) (laughs) so do you remember uh, a guy called calvin lee oh how could i forget calvin so calvin is from la for those of you who've maybe heard his comments in the past and he says hey um so he, he also says that he, he was using some kind of typing software on his phone. So what he says is, hey, flock past you two are finally back, which I assume means <laughs> I'm glad you back, you two are back. I finally got some time to listen to the podcast. I was just listening to the Chinese movie podcast, and you mentioned Zhang Yimou. When I went to China for, my fir- for the first time, I got off the plane from LA at the Beijing Capital Airport, and my godmother pointed out that he was getting off the same plane. Whoa. I was like, who is that? And we just walked behind him to ride the airport rail. Two arrivals. I don't know if that's interesting to you, but it's the first thing that came to my uh, to mind. Can't, can't wait to hear more podcasts. That's kind of cool. Wow. Thanks, Calvin. So he's brushed elbows with celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice one. Uh, so There's more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just kept coming. So, um, Mark was another question that we had last week about, he, he asked specifically about becoming an entrepreneur in China. Mm-hmm. And he said, thanks for such a thoughtful and intense response. Are we intent? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> to my question about entrepreneurship in China. And then he says, so I guess this is one of his friends, Winston, says there's no deodorant in China. So, oh, I know that guy. He oh. he is based out of Shenzhen. Oh, really? Yeah, he cool. um he's all over YouTube. He like rides his motorcycle all over oh, China. Nice. So yeah, he's based he's based out of here. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, he says there's not deodorant in China, so I should emigrate and become an anti-perspirant import <laughs> mogul based in Shenzhen. <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, by the way. True. There is deodorant. They have, I mean, they don't tend to have, because in the States, I don't know how it is in the UK, but in the States, a lot of people use the white stick deodorant. Yeah, or a, like a ball thing, a roll-on. Yeah, so we don't use a, the roll-on as much. So, but here in China, they use that roll-on. I guess probably English culture coming in from Hong Kong. So they have the, they have the roll-on. Well, you guys call it roll-on, right? Yeah. You don't really call it deodorant. You just call it the roll-on. Uh, yeah, I guess if you said roll-on, you'd, you'd know what yeah, yeah. But anyway, they do have it. They're just these little roll-on bottles. Yeah. So don't worry. It's at every 7-Eleven. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you can get all the big brands, like links and stuff. It's just very expensive. That's true. Yeah. Right. So let me tell you about our kind of fact of the Oh, week. I'm excited. So it's related <laughs> to last episode. Last episode uh, 
for those of you who listened to episode 33, uh, the iPhone 6S had just been released in China. And so the story goes that there were um, sperm banks asking Chinese men to uh, to donate in order to buy themselves an iPhone 6S. So this story <laughs> is a follow-on to that. You um, guys should see my mom's expression right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, this story is basically about a man who gets dumped over an iPhone 6 and then decides to buy nine iPhone 6Ss, uh, basically for revenge on his shallow ex-girlfriend. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's the story. So a Chinese man who was dumped by his girlfriend over an iPhone 6, um, so this was la- like this was a year ago. So a year later now, he gets revenge after scratching messages into the faces of the nine iPhone 6s he bought on the anniversary of their breakup and posts the pictures online. So he takes nine iPhones and in Chinese scratches these hateful messages like onto the screens and then posts them on like Weibo and stuff like that and he's got a lot of attention for it. Wow. Do you think they were real? I don't know but basically it's the it's been um it was on this i guess social media site called Huan Chou Mill. I've never heard of it. Mm, but it's linked on the on the site. It says the man purchased the iPhones to flaunt how wealthy he'd become since being dumped by his shallow ex-girlfriend last September. <laughs> yeah, so the man uploaded the photos to Weibo, which is the uh I guess the equivalent of Facebook in China, uh where they quickly found a large audience with his post being shared thousands of times. And if you, I'll put the link to this article on our episode 34 page, and you can see all the pictures. It's pretty, like, it's pretty clear. If you can read any Chinese, you can really clearly see what he's written. Um, so basically, this is how it, this is how it reads. Um, the first phone says, you dumped me for my friend because of an iPhone 6. So I guess the story is that he couldn't afford an iPhone 6, so she leaves him for, for his friend who has one. Um, (laughs) thanks for looking down on me. I worked harder and became more successful on the first anniversary that we broke up. So let me find the next sheet. Uh, I present to you nine iPhone 6s to mourn our our doomed relationship. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of... That is a lot of effort to go through. Yeah, can you imagine how much money he spent? Like, what are we talking, like, 6,000 RMB now for an iPhone 6S? Mm-hmm. Probably even more. It's a lot of money for a revenge. Actually, but I think this fits in quite well with our comment uh, um, about the how Chinese people like sad movies. I think, in general, they kind of, sometimes they kind of like this doomed idea, like, to feel sad. Yeah, there's a lot of that melodrama. Yeah, melodrama, yeah, for sure. So, okay, so I want to move on and give us an uplifting, nice story to get us ready for our podcast, because I think we need some positivity. So this is a nice story about some Hainan villagers who rescue a stranded dolphin with an umbrella and a bucket of water. Aww. Yeah. So recently, villagers in Hainan spotted a dolphin stranded on the beach. It was a small dolphin. Uh, they tried to help the poor creature back into the sea, but it kept swimming back onto shore. 
Not willing to give up on the dolphin, villagers brought an umbrella to shield it from the hot sun and used a bucket to take water from the sea and pour the water onto the sea animal. Eventually, the dolphin was transported to a wildlife rescue centre where workers there said that the animal has a problem with its inner navigational system. Mm. But at least, I mean, the, these guys tried to save the dolphin. Aww. So I think that's a nice story. A nice positive story about China. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we usually hear about them the like opposite. with a sharp fin soup and everything yeah. like that, destroying wildlife. But that's nice to know that there are a lot of exceptions out there Absolutely. to what you hear on the news. Yeah. Keep that in mind. So hopefully, there's a happy end for our dolphin. Nice. I hope so. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks, Holly. Well, let's get on with the show. Yeah. So we thought today it would be interesting to talk to you about what to do with your parents when they come to visit you in China, or if you are of a slightly older generation than Holly and I, how it will be for you to adjust to life in China. So we have my mom and dad here from Wisconsin. So welcome to the show. Thank Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about um, your, let's talk about your first experience in China. You mean when we came, when you were in Chengdu? Mm-hmm. What would you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> I would, I guess I would like to know, did you have like any worries or, or any concerns before you came here? Like maybe what was your, what did you, what did you expect your experience to be like maybe? I don't think we had any expectations at all. Oh, really? We just <laughs> thought it was an adventure and followed Nora around. And fortunately, <laughs> we had a guide with us who uh, was fantastic. And, she was. Well, Nora prepared us pretty well before we came because I wasn't aware that there were such a thing as squat toilets and, <laughs> and that you needed yeah. to bring your own paper and supplies with you everywhere yeah so it was it was nice to know that ahead of time and at least when at that time uh nora told us don't even think about using forks or any other western uh, utensils and so we had to practice up on our chopsticks (laughs) right right um and we knew we wouldn't find cheese anywhere or They brought dairy. me a cooler full of cheese. How <laughs> great awesome. yeah, that's great. <laughs> and cheese crackers and things like that. You can get those things here in Shenzhen, but you could not get them in Chengdu. No, the only thing resembling cheese in Chengdu was like what we would call American cheese. It's like individually wrapped, highly processed, like hamburger, hamburger cheese. cheese. Yeah. So that was the only thing that was even close, and even that was pretty sad substitute for cheese. <laughs> yeah. The other thing she warned us about, as well as a fellow passenger on the plane, was that spice that that makes your mouth numb and tastes like laundry detergent. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very accurate description. <laughs> and we managed to avoid it. Until one time when we were um, at one of those monasteries, I chose um, to order, a, it was like a, a sugar cane that was filled with rice. Oh, and, bamboo. Oh, yeah. bamboo. Yeah, it looked like sugar cane, but I guess it was really bamboo. Um, and it had those balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, inside it. It's called Sichuan pepper. 
or Huajiao in Chinese. And because Chengdu is located in Sichuan province, it's in everything. It's in the cookies, it's in the bread, it's in pretty much every single dish. So I did, yeah, I did warn them about that. Because yes, that's not that a was... sensation that you're used to from yeah. the West, is this numbing right. sensation, which indeed tastes like laundry detergent. It does. <laughs> I mean, if I were to eat laundry detergent, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's a great piece of advice. My my parents are gonna come over next uh, next February March time, and the, my mom would really like to go to Chengdu because she wants to see some pandas. Oh. So I hope they're both listening to take that piece of advice. Right, <laughs> beware. <laughs> Were there any shocks that you felt when you first, like your first day or two in China, even if it was uh, the second time or the third time around? Well, um, when we went to Chengdu, we were the only Westerners we saw the entire nine days we were there. So that was shocking to me, as well as I'm fairly tall. I'm not exceptionally tall, but I was taller than everybody, so we stood out. You're 5'9", right? 5'8". 5'8", yeah. And there wasn't anybody that was as tall as I was, and I didn't expect to be treated like a celebrity where people would just come up with their phone cameras and just take my picture or wanted to have our pictures taken with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we went, no matter where we went, people wanted to have their pictures taken with us, and that, that was... It's kind of fun. But here in Shenzhen, we're just ignored. So that was a shock in the reverse. <laughs> yeah. You were expecting to be welcomed as a celebrity. Right. And, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you don't even notice me. <laughs> Although today in the elevator, we got quite that a bit of That was very nice. Yes. Some were... of our neighbors were buttering us up and telling us how beautiful we were. Mm-hmm. That, that was nice. That nice was... figures. That was lovely since I'm chubby and have have not heard that I had a nice figure for a long time. Dad, <laughs> that's I'm telling cool. you that every day. <laughs> he says you look nice. That's his standard. I've seen him chase you around the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was really nice to hear that. Yeah, there's a pretty big cultural difference between a city like Shenzhen or Shanghai. And the more central areas of China, like in Chongqing or Chengdu or all those uh, more central areas. Um, Of course, being on the coast, for generations they've had more interaction with Westerners in those coastal cities. But in, in the central part of China, you find people who had have never seen a foreigner before in their life. And you get a varying degree of reaction, including just jaw open and just gaping at you. Right. And people, you know, so excited that they're almost brought to tears and want their picture, insist having their picture with you. Yeah. So it's pretty extreme. And a couple times when we rode the buses, those very crowded buses, people gave up their seats for us. Oh. That's nice. That's nice. That's quite unusual. Yeah, that is unusual. Right. They always expect us to give seats. <laughs> <laughs> Second class citizen. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. 
How have you felt with the language barrier? Totally lost. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm like my, I panic if, if we lose sight of Nora or Slotto. Mm-hmm. Although yesterday we managed to spend the whole day without them and walked through the park near their home and, and we were brave enough to even eat at a restaurant. So tell us your strategy. How did you? Because you, where you went was definitely not a Western place. It didn't have any English, and it didn't have any um, people who spoke English either. So how did you manage to choose a <laughs> restaurant, and how did you manage to order food? The first place that we walked by had um, pictures of food on the wall, but we couldn't read what the prices were, so we didn't know what we would be paying for our meal and not knowing the prices we didn't want to be taken I guess or whatever and um, so the lady there was was signaling that do you want to eat but we we just walked by <laughs> <laughs> and then the next place we went to um, we walked in and said, does anybody speak English? <laughs> and nobody did, but they were talking to us in Chinese, and we mm. were just um, trying to um, do, like, sign language, like opening a book kind of sign for yeah. menu, saying menu. <laughs> <laughs> and they went into the back room and brought out a menu. So then we just pointed to what we wanted to eat. We were pretty happy yeah. with three of the four options. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty and, impressive to be honest. Right, <laughs> and they had actual numerals telling us how much it was going to cost, so that made us feel more comfortable eating there. Yeah. Dad, tell so. us some, a little bit about the dishes you had yesterday. Ooh, well, uh, one of the dishes was a uh, vegetable that uh, was uh, looked like a long reed or something that was chopped up into maybe inch and a half uh, pieces and mixed in with that were uh, shrimp or some kind of small prawn and uh, uh, had a kind of a typical uh, mixture of herbs with it and oils and it was very good stir fried Mm-hmm. Uh, had had some it. little red chili. Yeah, chili. Nothing super hot, but it was. No, I avoided the. <laughs> <laughs> and the both vegetable dishes we had were fantastic. Uh, I had ordered a just a uh, um, cabbage cooked cabbage, and the way they uh, spiced it and everything was just perfect. So really, really like that. Tell us about your vegetables. Oh well, this other dish looked like it was going to be a pork dish with some um, green beans almost um, and it it was indeed pork but it was super salty and then the vegetable I didn't care for and he didn't care for it either it was kind of woody woody and, and it's those like it's a pretty common Chinese dish it's those short they're like short thin cylinders. It's almost like a green onion, but it's more tightly wound. Like a green mm-hmm. onion has a little bit of gaps yeah. between yeah. the layers, but it was like it's like very tightly wound green it, onion. It was like stock. eating grass. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then Only the pork was just like basically grass. 
the skin and it's like very oily and very salty. Very salty. And the, but the other dish we had was bamboo and that was delicious. Oh, great. It was delicious bamboo shoots. Actually, where they ended up eating was a shao kao place. Ah, <laughs> right. So shao kao is barbecue in China and it's very popular and it's actually um surprise it was open. I guess they do get some people wandering by um during the daylight hours, but it's it's very busy at night. So usually people eat that kind of salty greasy food when they're drinking beer. So it kind of goes okay. hand in hand. So it was, it's kind of um it's almost like a little bit like Chinese junk food in a okay. sense. Even though the vegetable dishes, I'm sure, weren't. Yeah, it was really, it was very good. And and then, um, well, before she brought the food out, she brought this tall pitcher of hot water. And I didn't realize there was a tea bag in it, a large tea bag in it. But it was just um, a plastic pitcher, a right. thin plastic pitcher. So it wasn't like insulated or anything. Right, and she brought this plastic bowl and... <laughs> was telling us something, but we didn't understand what we were supposed to do with it. And there weren't any other patrons, so we couldn't really <laughs> copy. <laughs> copy what they were doing. So we just set the bowl to the side, and then I noticed that it was actually hot tea in this plastic pitcher. So we started drinking it, but we didn't know we were supposed to wash our dishes in the tea. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a common thing in smaller restaurants in China. It, well, it depends on which part of China you're in, but uh, often they'll give you a large pitcher of tea. It's a, it's a mild tea. You can drink it. It's no problem to drink it, but you also use it to <clears throat> wash your chopsticks and teacup and bowl before eating. Just so... Which is strange because the... the uh, uh, extra dishes that were available were all plastic wrapped to begin with. Yeah, they do sterilize. A lot of restaurants actually do not wash their dishes. They ship them all out to a company that'll wash it and then sterilize and then package them up again and they just get new dishes every time. Okay. So they don't actually do the dishwashing in-house. So when you're dealing with quantities like China, <clears throat> you really need large dishwasher, you know, you need to automate it, otherwise someone's full-time job is yeah. going to be washing and dishes. Another difference here is you have to ask for the bill, and I didn't know how to do that, and I didn't know, we had quite a bit of food left over, um, I didn't know how to ask to box it up, so this Chinese official came in and said, hello, <laughs> and I was very excited because I thought, oh, he'll be able to tell us because he must speak English. And I said, do you speak English? And all he said was, hello. <laughs> so, fortunately, Nora had given us a phone, so I called her here to she ask phoned her. phoned a friend. <laughs> yes. How do I ask for the bill and how do I ask them to package up? Our leftover food. Do you remember how to say those things? Miban is, is the asking for the bill. Almost. Uh, something bow is. My don is. Oh, my me, my don. Okay, yeah, my don. And. Da bao. Da, da bao. Yep. So I relayed the information to my mom, and she actually said it to them in Chinese, and they understood her. So yeah, if you wanna. If you want to wrap everything up while well, we can do the Chinese 
lesson in the middle of the episode. Yeah, if you want to wrap everything up, you say dabao, which literally means just to uh, put into a bag. So dabao. And then if you want to ask for your bill, you say maidan. So dabao and maidan. And actually, these two words are nice because the tone doesn't really matter too much. You can say it dabao, maidan, and people will understand you. Sometimes you can get away with not learning the tones. Yeah. But for any of you that are interested, both words are third tone, first tone. So my dan, dot bao. But yeah, that's so they were able to communicate. They mm-hmm. understood, right? right. No right. problem. You right. said it and they wrapped it. Right. She immediately started to bring containers to put the food in. And... Magical. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. Yeah, another thing with both dishes, uh, the entree dishes were that uh, they came out kind of piecemeal and uh, um, at the very end uh, then they brought in two big bowls of rice and we didn't and there was nothing in the picture to indicate that they were going to serve it with rice too so uh, that wasn't expected at all. Well typically they probably just assumed that you wanted to eat rice because a lot of the time you order the rice separately so in China, it's more family-style dining. In fact, you probably notice that most places, they'll only give you one menu. When you sit down at a restaurant, most places will only give you one menu. And that's because typically one person, whoever is inviting everybody for dinner, is the one who orders all of the food. Right. And then, of course, the one who pays. So it's all family-style. People don't typically order what they want. You know, they... They order something for the whole table, and then everybody picks a little bit off of each dish. Which is basically what we did for each other. Mm-hmm. But it's quite different from, you know, Western-style right. dining, where you order a meal for yourself, and maybe you share a bite with your partner, but it's not in the middle of the table and everybody picking at it. So, Like that restaurant we went to... Um, with Alan and Nancy where there was a giant lazy Susan in the middle mm-hmm. and he ordered everything and we just kept just spinning spin it around. around <laughs> a little bit. It's actually it's really fun. nice. You can have a lot of variety that way. You can try so many different dishes and right. if you don't like what you ordered, you don't have to commit <laughs> to it. Yeah, if there's something you don't like, you just, you just don't need to worry. Do you have any particularly memorable dishes that you've tried, either, whether it be good or bad. <laughs> well, in Chen, I mean, in Chengdu, hot pot was definitely, I mean, the variety of different things that they brought in, I, I just remember they must have brought in 10 different types of mushrooms. And right. then all the, the variety of, of mushrooms is amazing yeah. because we don't have that variety in the Yeah, they'll have an Wisconsin. entire aisle in the refrigerated section just for mushrooms. Right. And I don't know, um, the other night we went to a buffet, but I don't know if it was typical that that red snapper was amazing. They, I don't it's know if that's It's typical for Southeast Okay. China. Well, that was delicious. Mm-hmm. It, we used to be able to get red snapper in Wisconsin, but I haven't seen it for years. Um, so that was a real treat for nice. me. It was delicious. It had a um, had like a lemon sauce that you could put on it. It was mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, that's outstanding. 
Do you remember Other. any snacks that we had on the streets? Because Chengdu and Sichuan in general, actually most of China outside of Shenzhen, because Shenzhen has very strict rules about selling street food. They try to keep it as regulated as possible. But in most parts of China, people eat on the street. I mean, very few people actually mm -hmm. cook at home, unless your parents are living with you and you have kids and stuff like that. Well, I was, um, well, what I, what we ate in Chengdu was very good. Chicken on a stick and, and that um, sugared, sugar glazed fruit mm -hmm. on a stick was wonderful. And oh, everything you could think of, alligator heads. And I know, but we didn't sample those. <laughs> well, chicken, really? little baby chickens, and um, yeah, uh, they had some, we sampled some seafood. I don't know if it was crab. I think we had crab. Yeah, that was very good. Mm -hmm. um, when we, when we came um, to the tech, technology district coming out of the metro the fashion district whatever you were you were explaining to me that um food stand that had oh it was like peking duck to right go. <laughs> right so that was kind of like a snack yeah yeah they have them here and there but in Chengdu, it's just you know it's everywhere you can have a whole meal just right out on the street. Actually, a lot of the food that I ate was just on the street, and it was really tasty. Mm -hmm. Here, it's not as popular just because it's it's more difficult to get a permit, I guess, to sell. Yeah, I think that it's definitely more encouraging for small-time entrepreneurs to get started in their own business just because the overhead isn't anywhere uh, as it would be here where you have to have a storefront and you know, there's more regulations and things like that. It seemed very loosely set up as far as the street vendors in Chengdu. Mm -hmm. Well, we really um, learned to appreciate good tea oh. on our visits here. Have you tried any partic uh, particular flavor that you've enjoyed? Well, just a really good green tea yeah. and that kind that has the, kind, yeah. the, the longer leaves that float to the top. I don't know it's what that's called. It's green tea, but it's like fresh green tea. Right. It's just the tips of the tea leaves. Very good. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very good. We can't get anything nearly as good in the U.S. Well, people don't typically drink tea without adding other stuff to it, right? Like most people, maybe they have a tea bag and they don't put sugar or milk in it or honey, but the tea bag itself usually is infused with some kind of a spice or fruit, whereas in China it's just the tea. You'd never think to put, to add anything. I mean, sometimes they'll add like a flat floral hints to some of the teas, but in general they, it's just straight. The, the green tea is just yeah. so good here. I mean, the one thing that seems, that I mean, I, you, I enjoy it, but uh, after a while, you get tired of jasmine flavor for everything. And, you know, it really distracts you from the taste of the green tea. And uh, so I've come to, I mean, if there's just a hint of it in the background, that's one thing. But uh, yeah, it, I'm not fond of the jasmine overtones either, but just the plain tea is really good. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what we did um, uh, the day before yesterday. What did we do? What, what, 
window of the world that no long? no that was much longer just the day before yesterday we went to um, oh, when we went looking for the um, keyboard for Dan? yeah and oh. before that as well oh well we went, we ate at toilet world do you mean that <laughs> <laughs> we didn't eat eat there it's we a had restaurant called the modern toilet yeah 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 modern toilet so what's right. that about well, that was an experience. All the seats are toilets, modern to Western toilets. But, <laughs> but in the bathroom, <laughs> they're squat toilets. <laughs> right, Chinese toilets. And on the, the the decorations in the restaurant are interesting. The there's urinals hanging from the wall that have have lights that change color. <laughs> have you eaten? Yeah, I've been there a long time ago. Yeah, and they have bathrobes hanging in shower heads and. And um, you can you sit at tables that are over sinks that are filled with things, or a bathtub uh, filled with trinkets. Trinkets, yeah. Yeah. and there's a stuffed poop that walks around. <laughs> poop but, costume. And I don't know why it was yellow. That's <laughs> the only know. thing I couldn't figure out. And so you can have your picture taken with the poop. And <laughs> did, did you did you get your picture taken? Oh yeah. Yes, oh good. Of course, of course. <laughs> And then afterwards... And they offered a nice plastic mound of poop on the floor for Nora to pose and squat down in front of it. It's a very unusual experience. Very good milkshake, though. I had a mango, <laughs> mango milkshake. Yeah, and mine was uh, Oreo. Oreo vanilla, and it looked like it could have been poop. And Nora, Nora had tea served in a, in a Western-style toilet. Yep. <laughs> nice. It was and a mug shaped like a toilet. And then other people <laughs> had ice cream served in a squat toilet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ice cream. It was like a fountain. It's like a ice cream fountain kind of place. Mm-hmm. But it was it was very unique and fun. Mm-hmm. And then where did we go after that? Well, then we tried to find our way to um, where we could find some technology things that we were looking for, electronic things, and so the poop actually helped Nora. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd that. <laughs> the person dressed as the, as the poop. <laughs> Directed <laughs> as the right direction, yeah. Right. And so that was very interesting because I've never seen so many electronic parts and phone covers in my entire life. You could find anything and everything for your tablet and phone, except for the Bluetooth um, keyboard that we were looking for. (laughs) It was amazing. Um, In one building, there were probably 10 floors, and on each floor... There was probably at least a hundred separate vendors, and they're just their little kiosk that they were selling in. So you had all these, I mean, the same name brands over and over again in different mixtures that you could get, and some were just doing accessories, some were doing the actual um, tablets or phones or whatever. I mean, it just, you name it, they had it there. And right, some just specialized in the glass um, covers. So the one downside, though, is is that each person knows about their product, but they don't necessarily know where the product that you're looking for 
is situated. So um, that, we did a lot of wandering. Yeah. <laughs> we did, but it was interesting. Yeah, that place is a maze. It's difficult to actually, unless you've been there maybe a few times before, it's really hard to find exactly what you're looking for. Right, but Nora even said um, where she had found some things in the past, that it wasn't there. Right. Yeah, they changed so quickly. Yeah. I mean, it had been about a year since I had purchased my Bluetooth keyboard, but that stand no longer existed. And actually, it was a... It, there's some, there's got to be some logic to it, but it's not very well. No, um, because you could have, like, well, there were, the cameras were pretty much congregated in the same area. Camera equipment. But everything else was scattered, I mean. You'll find shops yeah. that are kind of grouped together, but it's different, it's difficult to figure out what which area you're supposed to be in. And there's no... They have signs, but they're not very um, helpful at all. And if you ask anybody, they just say they don't know, or they just say upstairs, which when you're in a building that has 10 floors with hundreds of vendors on every floor yeah. is not that helpful. <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to see, even though we weren't successful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you found something, so that was good. I got a new pair of headphones, because I rolled over mine with my desk chair. <laughs> and I saw that now it's fun. I like. I used to go a bit more often to the area. It's called Huachang Bay in Shenzhen, and it's it's really cool. It's really the center for all electronics. I mean, anything that is produced, it you can find it there. And um, it's it's kind of like people say, oh, they go to Canton Fair to set their watch. Metaphorically speaking, because I say, oh, they get to see like what all the new the new products are out, and I kind of do the same thing for Watching Bay. When you go there, you kind of get up to speed on the latest technological advancements. Like we saw quite a few. It's popular now the wireless charging stands. So you just set your phone on the on the stand, and it charges it without actually plugging it into a physical cord. I've got a question just regarding. <clears throat> how the Chinese uh, use their phones to communicate. You know, in the U.S., especially the youngest generation of people who are using the phones, it's almost like talking is no longer a, a form of communication, and they don't really know how to deal in a social situation using their mouth and words <laughs> to communicate. They'd rather text it or whatever back and forth to each other and, you know, one thing that's obvious is that almost everybody's got their nose in their smartphone wherever you're at. If you're on the bus or wherever, walking down the street, they're obviously using it, but I'm not quite sure what they're using it for. Um, and uh, I, I, I just wonder if they're running into the same concerns as far as losing the ability to congregate and communicate with each other, become more isolated. Uh, like it seems to become in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good question. <laughs> what do you think, Holly? Um, as to what they're doing, probably watching videos. Yeah, the era the of going home to catch the latest TV show is completely out. They don't go home and sit and watch TV. They stream it live hmm. on their phones. Okay. And it's very easy in China to do this kind of thing. 
it's very easy to, you know, you just load it up when you have Wi-Fi and then you can just watch, watch it, whenever, it. Yeah, wherever. on demand. So you see them all the time catching up on their latest shows and stuff on the Metro. That's probably one of the more common yeah, things that right. they're doing. Hmm. All walking as well, right? There have been, you see, I mean, it's da- so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I maybe I mentioned this last week about them in, I think in maybe Beijing they've created uh, mobile phone lanes in the, on the walk on the sidewalk. Really? Yeah. Oh, so that makes sense. People can just stay in that section and kind of stay safe <laughs> with each other. Have like bumpers on the sides. <laughs> well, just like in Chengdu, where the the traffic is like un- unbelievably dangerous. It's kind of like that here, only I feel safer here in Shenzhen. It seems like there's a little bit better traffic rules than in Chengdu. Well, I think there's more professional drivers. I think in Chengdu there were more uh, cab drivers that were not really official cab drivers, and they're crazy. <laughs> I mean, it, I every time we stepped into a cab, I feared for my life in Chang in Chengdu. Here, I'm not always. As you're a bit extreme, though. I mean, you are quite cautious. On right. The road. I'm amazed at how many near miss accidents we've survived. <laughs> <laughs> but we have not crashed yet. Oh, no, thankfully. Yeah, they're very, they take a lot of risks, but they're very aware of exactly how large their vehicle is. I mean, they come within inches of Right, even each the other. buses and... They're so, they know exactly, to the to the centimeter, really, how, how, where they can fit into, and that's amazing, and they know their brake system, they, they know, they, they time it just right, because they're under very strict schedules, and if they do have any kind of a crash... Their job is over, which is their livelihood. A lot of them, they come in from the poorer provinces, and they're they're risking a lot to have this job, and they're sending money back home usually to feed their families. So they have a lot of pressure to to make it on time and to make it safely. So they're all very alert, and they're very skilled. Obviously. The other thing that I'm I'm amazed at is, I, I mean, I know there's police around, but you don't see that many police cars cruising and making traffic They don't pull stops. you over. That, that kind of thing doesn't really exist no. here. Traffic violations, they'll catch you on camera, but they'll, they won't chase you down the road okay. to get you a ticket. Because I have, yeah, have not seen anything like that. Well, the other wild card with, that makes it a little bit more dicey on the road when you're, pa- I'm being a passenger in a, either a cab or a bus, is the uh, private vehicles because uh, you know, the both the cab drivers and the uh, bus drivers are very, I mean, even though they push things to the limit, they're very professional about what they're doing, and they seem to be, have uh, eyes behind their head as well as looking straight ahead, and they really, um, there's so many times where they'll be, vehicles pulling out into a lane that is right in front of the bus or you know not watching and it's almost always these the closest accidents are almost always by private vehicles that who knows if they even got any kind of lessons in no. how to drive yeah i mean usually it's funny because our angel investor 
for writtenchinese.com. He tried to actually get a license, a driver's license, the legitimate way. I mean, he has his license in the States. He has his license in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to go through the system and get it the legitimate way here in Shenzhen to drive. And he went back and forth and back and forth. They just kept sending him. One office would say, go to that office. That office would say, go back to the first office. That's back crazy. and forth and back and forth. And finally, he just had to pay the, you know, special fee oh. <laughs> or whatever to do it the other way around. So he actually legitimately was trying to do it the right way. Right. And he still was just wrapped up it took him week he, he was really trying he was, and then you know he started to get stubborn he was like you know i will do it mm-hmm. but eventually just it's not worth it to waste all that time and so he just ended up paying somebody to get the license and i've heard that uh, a lot of their um drivers ed isn't necessarily about teaching them how to drive and like the traffic rules but they have them watch hours and hours of footage that's like really graphic, real life CCTV crashes of people getting like horribly like killed or mutilated or whatever from car accidents. So they just have them watch hours and hours and scare, hours of that scare to try to, yeah, like make them respect the road. But it's true. The private drivers, they don't look behind them ever. They just pull out. They cut across multiple lanes. They never look behind them. So right. it's, it's very, it's... Russian roulette. <laughs> yeah, and the I've heard that one of the rules is that in an accident, the larger car gets the blame. Wow. So this the buses are under a lot of pressure, yeah. so they're constantly, you know, having to watch out for all these inexperienced and inconsiderate drivers on the road mm-hmm. who are, you know, just got their license from paying some guy and got a new Beamer and they want to take it out on the road. I don't know if this has been brought up in the past, but um, for people that come to visit Shenzhen, the flowers and the plants are beautiful. Oh, yeah. um, they're just I I'm just enjoying all the tropical. It's very lush here because it's mm-hmm. almost like jungle. It's like the city has been erected in the middle of a jungle, in a right. sense. So you get a lot of these like low hanging, very viney trees and large beautiful flowers I, lo- I love the i think they're banyan trees the ones that have the vines that hang down i just love them because we never see anything like that maybe in the deep south in the u.s we would have those but um they're everywhere here <clears throat> and they're they're sculptures in in of themselves yeah um, a lot of their like bushes have these just like jurassic size leaves just massive because you know it's the, the, there's no frost here ever right so many different kinds of palm trees and and um shrubs and flowers just beautiful flowers and i was just going to say the landscaping both right in the urban setting as well as in the parks seemed to have been thought out pretty well so that you you know there's a certain amount of maintenance that has to be done to keep things looking good but it's a lot i mean i think most of these plants are in their more close to their natural element anyway so they don't really have to do as much maintenance to uh keep it looking nice i'm sure they do some but uh it wasn't like you were constantly seeing people 
tending the gardens. I mean, in the park we went through, that was just one garden after another. So. Right. Brilliant pinks and reds and yellows and oranges and beautiful yellows, colors. I don't know if you noticed the signs in the park, but that park that my parents are referring to is near my apartment, and they've actually divided it into different time eras. So the plants in some parts of the park are supposed to be supposedly like prehistoric, and then other parts are from later times. So they've actually divided it up into, which is a really interesting concept. So it's not geography or anything like that. It's based on what they estimate the age of the plant is. So that's how oh, they've okay. done the landscaping. I don't know if you noticed there's like a dinosaur dinosaur statue right in the right. in the park. Mm-hmm. So that's like that area is a prehistoric okay <clears throat> plant. So the, so supposedly those plants would have likely been in Guangdong province okay. during that era. So well, they've kind of done it. That park is beautifully done. What is that called? The International Environmental Park or something like that? It's called the Flower International Flower Exhibition or something like that. Um, it's called Yuan Bo Yuan. But there's multiple beautiful parks. Holly also yeah. lives near an even larger oh, really? park. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and that's one thing I really love about the city is that it's it is green, actually. And yeah, this park I've been into it quite a few times now, and you can spend out like probably spend the whole day there and not walk around all of it. There, it's huge. Wow. Yes. Well, we we've enjoyed the parks. And last night we saw a little bit of um, what happens at night. Do you want to tell them? Well, that was one of the questions I was going to ask um, the podcast about dancing, (laughs) and especially partner dancing, like ballroom dancing, because Brett and I like to do that. Um, So we got to see a sampling of a lot of different styles of dancing, both um, ballroom and then Tai Chi, and Chinese line dancing. Um, I don't know if that's what they call it, but that's what it looked like to me. They were all doing similar movements in lines. And what else did we see? Oh, badminton players. But um, yeah, the style did we see? It was it was well, some like just tai chi movements and, right. and martial arts stuff. I mean, a little bit of everything. Right. That was fun. Fun to see. Yeah, as yeah. we've mentioned in other episodes, Chinese people typically, they're like clockwork, so after dinner, they all go to the park <laughs> for mm-hmm. for exercise, which is really nice. So if you can get, even in crowded urban areas, if there's an open slab of concrete, usually around 7.30, you'll see some woman walk out with her boombox and she'll be <laughs> leading a dance class out there. A lot of times they'll have matching uniforms and everything, because mm-hmm. they actually pay dues to participate in those things. Okay. Yeah, it was fun to fun to watch that. Um, and one one couple, it was a, 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 obviously a lesson, ballroom lesson, and the Tai Chi master was advising a young Tai Chi student. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and then um, it doesn't seem didn't seem to bother most of the partner dancers we saw in that other section uh, was women dancing with women, but they were doing 
ballroom dancing. So they must not care whether they're dancing with someone of the opposite sex or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot. I think a lot of the times, just back. I mean, I think it's just for exercise. There are there are a lot of these like synchronized style dancing and yeah, ballroom dancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think they give performances or anything. I think they just do just, it every night, just for fun, just, just for exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for fun, social life. Yeah, social life. I like that about tennis right. Culture. That was nice. Yeah. And because you see the old people, like what I really love is that the, all the old people are out too, so they all still continue to do this well into their seventies, eighties. You even see probably nineties. So you see, they're quite active and still involved in the community. That's one place that you didn't see anybody with their nose in, in their smartphone either. They were, they were interacting. Yeah, they were interacting with each other or just concentrating on what they were doing. So while we wrap this up, why don't you tell us a few of the things, because now you're seasoned Chinese travelers. You've been here <laughs> three times already. But what were some of the things that you knew to bring with you when coming to China? Well, my own toilet tissue and <laughs> baby wipes. <laughs> um, what else? My well, I always bring my water, water bottle, bottle with me wherever I go, even in the states, because I like to have water with me all the time. Um, I knew it would be very hot and humid here, so cool clothing. Yeah, I did. Fortunately, remember to bring a couple of just disposable ponchos, and this week has been raining all week <laughs> long, and so if it's just a light rain, you just pop up your umbrella, which is another ubiquitous thing that you see a lot of. I mean, people are carrying it all the time, but, uh, you know, if it's just lightly raining, nobody has their umbrellas up. If it's getting a little bit more, the umbrellas are up, and then they can really be pouring down hard sometimes. But they use umbrellas all the time for shade. Yeah. So They've got them either way. Right. They <laughs> have them even when it's sunny out. But I'm trying to think of anything else unusual. Didn't see anybody else using ponchos, but I was sure glad I had it. We had a couple <laughs> of really major downpours, and uh, it it really came in handy. Right. When you're in the subtropics, the wind patterns are kind of mental, so you don't know. It's blowing in multiple directions. We saw a lot of discarded, broken umbrellas um, yep. when we ran into that typhoon-like weather one day, one night. Um, and your umbrella was blowing inside out, too. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, poncho is a way to go when you're in that kind of situation. But other than that, we didn't really need to bring anything else unusual. Are you thinking of No, I anything? mean, I just, I think probably you had brought more things the first time around because you weren't as sure about what was available. I mean, sunscreen is always good. Sunscreen is kind of, I mean, you can get it here if you're in a bind, but there's very limited selection, and they sell it in these tiny bottles. So if you're used to lathering yourself in sunscreen, when you're going out in the sun, then you probably want to bring some with you and any medications that you might use. Right. You know, if you have allergies, you both you and Dad were saying you had a little bit of a tickle in your throat, probably from. I still do, so I don't know some if it's kind allergy of plant, or probably. Another, uh, when we were in uh, uh, Chengdu, uh, um, we 
it, at that time it was around Chinese New Year, so we had lots of layers of clothing. And what we ended up finding is we were wearing, uh, even though they did have heating indoors and that type of a thing, uh, they just they always have the windows open, and so you know, you know they have the ability to make places much warmer, but they have to, it has to be open. Um, not Feng as much shui, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, we. And even were, though we're from Wisconsin, which is very cold in the winter yeah, time, we'd be wearing our coats indoors too. I froze, <laughs> and I, I couldn't understand why Nora kept saying, "Could you bring me some wool socks?" <laughs> <laughs> then I understood because I think I wore two pairs of wool socks the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were here in February that time, and it was very cold and damp. It was so damp. Well, the government has drawn a line across the map of China, and that line represents the south and the north. And if you're below that line, if you're south of that line, then you don't have heat, and mm-hmm. the buildings are not constructed for heat. So if you're quite a bit north of here and still below the line, it does get quite cold, and no- nothing is insulated for that and and yeah they believe in keeping it's like it's feng shui they keep the doors open for circulation of air and it probably is healthier especially since you don't know about how well the gas as long as you're not in a super polluted city i mean i can imagine with particle levels in some places like beijing uh it's probably worse outside than it is inside Mm -hmm. a lot of things to think about Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let's um, have one final thing. Why don't you guys share your favorite China memory, and then we'll wrap up the show for today. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I remember that Jincha site in Chengdu. That was just amazing. And that had just been discovered, I think, about 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, tops. And, you know, initially, people... Historians thought that places like Chengdu are really a backwater, just not much culture, not much history involved with it. And they discovered that that they were very sophisticated going quite a ways back. Um, And that site was just loaded full of amazing artifacts, pieces of art, mostly jade, but they had gold and all kinds of other things too. It was uh, just an amazing amount of history involved with that and they're not even close to excavating all of it in fact you one section of it it was just a domed over area where you could actually go in and like see where they were working on the things they just left it open that way so you could see how they were recovering these artifacts so that was really kind of i i just thought that was amazing um because shenzhen such a modern city we don't have you don't have anything that's quite like that to see, but um, I just really appreciate the the beautiful plants and gardens mm-hmm. here, as well as in um, Chengdu, the that Zen Buddhist um, monastery that we went to. That was really cool. Um, the way the gardens were laid out and. They did so much with rocks as sculpture. Um, that was just beautifully done. Check them out the one in Chengdu. In Chengdu, but 
but also in the garden near Nora's apartment, um, there's that Buddhist section, and they also have rock formations that are just very beautiful to look at. Yeah, one thing I found that specific, that was a Zen Buddhist uh, monastery, was, um, this is in Chengdu, we, uh, our guide took us to all these different monasteries. I mean, it just went on and on. And after a while, you begin to see the same things over and over again. Well, most really, of those were Taoist, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and then they're just, and, and she wanted us to go to this one more. And it was just <laughs> like, wow. It was a different I mean, just world. Everything was laid out in perfect harmony. It just, just, just walking through it. He immediately got a sense of peace and relaxation. Um, it was a totally different atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those kind of things. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming to China to visit me. Wow. <laughs> We're glad we can do it. And thanks for being on the show. I hope you all out there have learned something, and maybe you can encourage your family to come out to visit you. If my parents can do it, you can do it. Yes, if we can do it, anyone can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's been great. It's been really great. So if you have any questions for us about life in China or traveling around China, don't forget to leave us a voicemail at writtenchinese.com slash voicemail. And are we going to tell them a coupon code again? Yeah, I think we should remind people, just in case you didn't listen to last week. Although you should have done. Uh, Nara and I give uh, a coupon code for you to use to get some free flashcards for the WCC dictionary. The flashcards are dating flashcards. Dating words, yeah. Dating words. There's There's some really good ones in there. So um, I'll put that. It's the coupon code is Two White Chicks, um, and I'll put the instructions of of how to claim the free flashcards on uh, writtenchinese.com/episode34. So you can go on there. Maybe some of you already know if you're already using the our dictionary, um, but there'll be instructions on there for you to follow. That it's not it's not too difficult and it's worth it. So check it out. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.